Welcome to Corestruction, the podcast of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Today I'm joined by Brittany Craner. Brittany is a structural engineer in the Dam Safety Production Center, which belongs to the Southwestern Division, but they are located here at the Tulsa District. Brittany is a graduate of the University of Oklahoma, and you have a master's degree in architectural engineering? Bachelor's degree in architectural engineering and structural in, uh, or my master's in structural engineering. Oh, outstanding. Um, both at the University of Oklahoma. And and we were just talking offline about how your advisor was uh, Dr. Royce Floyd. Yes. Who we interviewed regarding uh, high-performance concrete. Um, so, Brittany, tell us about the work you do here at the Tulsa District. Um, so I moved over to Dam and Levy, or Dam Safety Production Center back in May of last year. And um, I've been involved in some of the dam modification studies and um, designs uh, that the production center has been asked to do um, involving Keystone, looking at um, stability analysis of the monoliths and slabs, as well as um, I've recently started getting into kind of a um, national level uh, team of structurals for the uh, Prado Dam. Um, modification, which um, was being held by the Los Angeles district, but has recently been um, requested that uh, the SWD um, Dam Safety Production Center take lead on that. So I'm helping, I'm working with several structurals on that one. So that's my main push uh, right now is the Prado Dam Modification Spillway. Uh, Brittany, uh, how long have you been with the Corps now? I started with the Corps in January of 2018, but I've been doing core projects since getting out of school in 2015. Okay, were you were you part of the intern program? Or? No, so I worked in the private sector for a um, AE firm that did government work as well as um, private work for about two and a half years before um, moving over to from moving from the Oklahoma City area to Tulsa for the Corps of Engineers. So I worked in ENC for. Um, roughly three and a half years before switching to dam safety for a little or a little less than a year now. And ENC is uh, uh, engineering construction. Yes. Right. It's. And so you're working on a, a, a modification studies, um, levy levy studies. When we do these studies, what's probably the most misunderstood concept of of what that actually entails? Like, when, what do you think people think of it versus what, what we're actually doing in terms of these, these dam safety studies? Yeah, so I think the studies can take years to do, and I think people underestimate the complexity of a dam and how many different ways it can fail. I think the biggest thing is these structures are so massive, and when you drive past them, you just – the thought of them not staying in place is um, kind of hard for people to believe, and so – I think even for me at first, it was like, this thing's huge. It's heavy. It's a big concrete, you know, um, mass. Yeah. How are we even considering that this thing can just slide down the, the, you know, down the riverbed? So there's a lot of studies looking at the different ways it can fail. Um, There's interfaces. And so when you think, you know, of some of the local um, dams, it's just a lot to look into. And then um, it's kind of a... uh, scientific process where we run down 
um, maybe a failure mechanism, and we determine how we want to modify that. And then someone comes back and says, no, we don't want to do that. Let's look at this instead. And so then you have to do that same process over and over again until you find a way to um, kind of maximize the amount of the government dollar. You know, how can we reduce risk with the least amount of money with the most benefit? Like that's that process. And so it just takes a long time to navigate that. So, Now, how many studies do you think you've worked on in the what four years you've been for the core now or working for the core yeah so as far as like the dam safety modification i've only been doing that since may so i've um i've worked on probably three almost four um they're current you know um together they're um, concurrent um and they're not complete yet and so uh, i'm not the only structural that's working on those it's a team effort but um there's only one that i'm kind of taking the lead on and running with so um, about yeah, four or five. Uh, for, for, for the people who are into uh, civil work, who are civil engineers, right? Um, when you when you say you're also a structural engineer, what what additional education requirements go into that, or or is there an additional certification for being a structural en- engineer versus being a a civil engineer? Is it is it like with medicine where you have a, a, a general practitioner and then you have surgeon? <laughs> yeah, so structural en- or how it was explained to me as a visual is like civil engineering is an umbrella. And it's and if you look at the PE test, which is the certification you get to be a professional engineer um, and practice, if you were in the private sector, you would sign and seal projects and practice. And so there's kind of the two level of engineers um, once you get licensed. And so that umbrella is civil engineering, and then you have um, site civil, which typically is just shortened to just civil engineer. You've got your environmental, you have geotech, and then you have structural. So structural just has that emphasis. Um, usually, most of your, at least the Oklahoma programs, you pick civil engineering, and then you pick kind of like what I call an emphasis group. And so I focus my, um, you know, there's general civil um, courses you take in college that kind of touch base on geotech and site civil and stuff. But then you choose a course path that you start taking that emphasis. So I focused on, you know, the material properties and the strengths to do structural. So there's that. And then Oklahoma now has where you can get your SE, which is a structural engineering license. And so it's um, kind of in, in addition to a PE that um, you'll need for what they call critical structures. And so um, that's defined, you know, and so uh, it just is based on what your what your goals are in your education. And usually you choose that at the beginning. Um, sometimes your career can push you in different directions, but, but that's kind of how it goes is education. It starts out by kind of delegating different classes and then your career path is how you do that um, but structural is the only one that has like a second tier um, certification and not all um, states require or provide that delineation of a structural engineer um, Oklahoma just recently became one of those that um, has now you can be a PE and an SE so why did you choose structural engineering did you sort of end up with your career sort of put, taking you in that direction or, or was it something you, you wanted specifically? Yeah, so I'll try to keep it kind of short. So um, 
I took what was called OSSM in high school. It's Oklahoma Science, Oklahoma School of Science and Math. Um, in Ponca City, where I grew up, there wasn't like a pre-engineering academy at the tech school. So this was kind of that. And so you got co- college courses or college credit for um, calculus and physics. And so I knew that was I was better at those courses than I was like English and history. So I signed up for that and met um, Dr. Nine. He was the calculus professor. And his son actually went to OSU for architectural engineering. And I think he's actually in the um, management side of stuff. I think he actually works for the school now. Uh, Maybe he's a principal for a firm. I can't remember. But um, his son went into it. And so we started talking and um, I told him, you know, I'm a senior in high school and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And so he was like, well, let's talk about your interests and maybe we can talk out what you want to do. And so he's the one that was like, have you heard of architectural engineering? And, you know, of course, Ponca City is not a big town as far as, you know, Oakland City or Tulsa. And I was like, never heard of it. I know an architect and my dad's a computer engineer. I don't know how you're going to put those together. Um, But he got me involved with OSU and I went to like the engineering uh, weekend that they host for high school students and then we went to open house at OU and from there on it was I was just hooked in architectural engineering and I knew that I wanted to do the structural route um so I did the architectural degree versus doing a civil with a structural emphasis in my bachelor's to get out of weight waste waste water treatment class so (laughs) That was solely why it's an architectural engineering degree. I just avoided the classes I just didn't think I'd be interested in. So, Wastewater treatment. Yeah, I did not want to be a part of that course. So like the hydrology, which is ironic because now I'm doing dam safety, which is all about hydrology. So now looking back, I'm like, I probably should have took that course instead of, you know, electrical and HVAC. But you just never know where you're going. So my master's is where I focused more on the structural systems. And that's why I got my master's in uh, structural engineering is I just wanted more um, diversity on the material properties that I was looking at. So that's kind of. Now you spent time in the civil civilian or uh, private. private sector, we say. Um, what what was that like? How long did you do that? Four years? Two and a half years. Yeah. At, right out of college? Right out of college, yeah. That was right after you got your bachelor's or your master's? So I got my master's, went there, and <clears> spent <throat> got mo- spent most of my what we call engineering internship um, in the private sector. So right before I took the PEs when I switched to the private – or to the government side, to the Corps of Engineers. So um, it's different. Like it just um, – Like how? Can you give us just an example? Yeah, so I think – the biggest thing is there's more of a hierarchy because you've got people that aren't licensed, you have people that are licensed, and then everyone's working up to being like, well, not everyone. Some people it's not the interest, but there's um, the interest to be a, an associate and a principal and kind of like getting more involved with the company and you're buying into doing well because your paycheck is based off how well you do. And so that I think – was the hardest for me to grasp um, when working in the private sector because um, we we had to market and bring work in where... um, So you have to do some sales. Yeah, so I was heavily... That was something I enjoyed because I like to call myself an extrovert engineer. So I'm not an extrovert like the normal people, but I'm not introvert like you think of with an engineer. I'm an extrovert engineer. Um, So 
I loved selling and like bringing in work. And so that was something I lost when I came to the core because, you know, uh, the, the posts have to bring work no matter what. And like the dams are ours, so we don't have to ask for that work. And so, um, that was probably the huge adjust, adjustment for me. Was yeah, typically it's it's a sponsor asking for yep. us to do the work or yeah. to get involved with the work. And yeah, the work. And having to pony up <laughs> some matching funds to, to study that. So yeah. yeah, so it is, I guess it, it is a little bit. So if you're if they're the type of person who you don't want to have to go out there and find find um, work, you, you you know, if, if you want to do the specific engineering and you don't want to have to go out there and, and find that work yep. and bring it in, then you, that's one of the benefits is you can kind of, kind of, you know, work on those projects where you're, you're, you can focus on to. the projects versus kind of splitting <clears throat> your time between the marketing side and the project. So yeah, it's what, what is that like trying to, to, to sell sort of, or, you know, bring in work? Um, I enjoyed it. So my dad's a salesperson. He, you know, uh, well, he's a, a computer engineer that eventually became management and brought in the work. And so like 100% of his time was dedicated to marketing and bringing the work in. And then his uh, subordinates would, you know, um, make the products and, and fulfill the agreement. So I like that side of things. Um, I was able to travel and do some really cool things. I traveled to San Diego. I drove around in the Colorado mountains being paid to just with the windows down, fresh air, and just talking to people and taking them out to dinner and just telling them why we were the firm to use and why we were the best people for them and and being able to dream with them what they wanted because this was building design is what I was doing in the private sector. So dreaming with them on like what they could have and what their, their building could look like was a lot of fun. Um, I usually traveled with architects as well. So like I got to work on a team with them coming up with some quick ideas of like, well, we could do this to your building or we could build you a whole new one. And so um, it was good. It taught me how to talk to people. And um, it also showed me how networking is very important. Like it's good to get out and get out of your comfort zone and like get to know other people and other things that people do. So what? Yeah. Uh, why did you come to the core? So my best friend works for the core, um, Brandy Bruins. She uh, is now with the pavement specialty um, out of Omaha. Um, she's been trying from day one to get me to come straight out of school, um, but my husband had a good job. And so at the time, it made sense to stay in Oklahoma City. I couldn't make that Tulsa move. But then once we had our first child and my husband started staying at home, um, it gave us that opportunity to, to move to Tulsa and for me to uh, look at the Corps of Engineers as like a long-term employer so that's kind of how I got here (laughs) (laughs) but you didn't you could have moved to Tulsa and that worked for a private firm or or just yeah true um I like the stability of it like I like that it's consistent um the private sector is very volatile with highs and lows so like layoffs are often um I don't think anyone can argue like the benefits here at the the core are the medical and the pension. And so, um, my and dad, the time off. yeah. And the time off, um, I was working 50 to 60 hours a week in the private sector. And so coming to the core, it's, you know, we have moments that we work higher hours, but it's not required. You know, you're not going to lose your job or get laid off if you don't commit to that time. So, 
Um, I think the stability in the long term and my dad always in the back of my head, you know, if you can get into the government, my uncle was a post master. So he was like, you can't beat the benefits. So if you can get there and you enjoy what you do, then um, you'll like it. And I was already doing government work for the, the, the private firm. Um, because they had a lot of government contracts. So I already knew that I liked the work. It was just more of kind of switching tables. Like I was the AE and now I'm working on the government side. So the government doesn't do everything in-house for design. They sub it out to AE firms or architectural and engineering firms. They do the design and then the government um, does like reviews to make sure that they're compliant and that they're doing what we want, like what we think the product is for the client. So we're kind of the in-between between the sponsor and um, the A firms. Does that does that get um, challenging, like looking at it from the different side of the table? Or, I mean, is it is it from the core perspective when you're doing basically what was being done to you in terms of what yeah. you were seeing from the <laughs> other side? What What's that difference for you? I think it gives perspective. Like, you understand where they're coming from. You've been there. And so I think it gives you kind of some compassion that you might not get if you haven't been on both sides. You know, I think both sides are misunderstood sometimes. And so having been on both, you know, having worked for an uh, architectural and engineering firm and also working for the core, um, sometimes I can, you know, you kind of know what they can and cannot do. And they've got pushback. And um, like the core, we don't sign in. We do not take personal responsibility as far as signing and sealing documents. Like I have my PE, but I've never sealed any documents because the government kind of takes that responsibility over. Where these AE firms, they might not want to do what you're asking of them because they don't feel comfortable putting their license on the line and their career on the line. So um, understanding that and understanding that dynamic, um, I think it helped even with my brief time in the private sector understanding that and um dam and levity safety that i'm in now we don't deal with a you know aes as often but we still do occasionally so um being able to carry that perspective and understanding both sides has really i think benefited me um in my career so what are what are some of the projects you're working on in addition to let's see you're working the Keystone Dam Safety Modification Study, is that correct? Yeah, and the Prado. Those are the kind of my two main ones that I'm working. And then um, I participate in our base development team, um, and that's kind of like reach back support for overseas. So that's pretty much um, what I'm doing, and it sounds like not very much, but the Prado Dam is, you know, a high-profile project, so it's very large. And then Keystone for, for dam safety, Keystone is a very large undertaking for us, so. When you look at the different designs on, like, say, that dam out in California mm -hmm. versus what you see here in Oklahoma, do you notice any particular differences in the way that? I mean, and not, I don't mean in just the the facade, or, but like, it even in in the 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 sort of specs that you have to go by. Yeah, the construction practices. You know, they're built. Some of them are built in different times. You've got different materials, and so. Um, some of the concerns we have here in Oklahoma or maybe the resources we have, like we have a lot of clay here already. We don't have to outsource it versus, you know, California, there's, you've got huge seismic, right? You've got faults. So this, they have things differently and the failure mechanisms are different. So, you know, you're not going to 
see most likely you're not you're not going to have a seismic failure here in Oklahoma where um, looking at Prado that's the governing um, failure mechanism is a seismic event so um, being in different phases you know different areas in the country it is different and the, a lot of times the materials are used on site definitely for original design so every dam is different even if you know Keystone versus um, we have Louisville that's going on in Texas they're different. So um, very seldom do you have one where they're like, yeah, this dam is built exactly like this one. It, they're all different. You have to dig into them. And you can't just assume it's going to – that this is the the weak point. You know, everything's different, and everything's built differently by different contractors. So, yeah. So when, um, when you were – you were talking about how you had someone who – encouraged you to be, become an engineer or to, to investigate becoming an engineer. Mm-hmm. How important do you think that is to have someone like that to who kind of, because it, it, from when you were talking about it, it sounded like you really, really put a lot of um, appreciation into, into that, that guidance and advice. Absolutely. I think mentoring um, is a huge part of engineering. I mean, to the point that it's put into our licensure. And so I think having people that um, can guide you and someone you trust and value their input is huge. Um, I know like Royce um, Floyd, the professor at OU, um, he's the reason why I had a passion for like storm shelters. So when I was in military design, I did a lot of storm shelters and designed them. And I, um, it was, it was, it was close to home because I did research for him at OU on him. Um, and we had the more tornado that came through when I was at OU, the 2013, that um, it directly affected our day-to-day life. And so um, he mentored me on that and kind of emphasized the importance of a storm shelter. And so I really picked that up and I did a lot of storm shelter designs and was um, looked to, to give input because of that. And um, as far as like getting into engineering, you know, the dean of, um, at the time, the dean at OU, Dr. Knox, he um, was talking at a women's uh, Society of Women Engineer event that they had for the high school kids. And I went up to him and I said, you're the civil, you know, you're the, it's called C, civil engineering, um, civil engineering environmental science. Um, it's the college subset for structurals and civils. And I said, you're the, you're the dean, right? And he said, yes. And I, and I said, I want to come to your school. And he said, well, I can get you in contact with a current, you know, ing- or current uh, student. I can get you the scholarship application. And a lot of that stuff was not given to freshmen because of the way that OU has the um, major set up. You, you don't, really get introduced to the engineering uh, college until your sophomore year. So I had that upper hand of immediately day one I walked in and I knew people. I knew who to go talk to if I was confused. And they made sure that, you know, I didn't take the wrong classes and made sure that if I needed someone to help me with studying, like I had that resource. So I think 100% um, mentoring and those networking and relationships you build have a huge impact on who you are because you just never know who you'll end up working with, who your boss will be. And um, the community of structural engineers is 
it seems large, but it's not. Like you, you constantly are running into the same people. So I think being um, friendly and having, you know, conversations is so important um, in, in the industry, but definitely in engineering. Um, All this was going on when you were around 2012, 2013, when you were looking to go to is that when you were graduating high school? So I graduated high school in 2010. Okay. And so the first two years are just your general eds. Right. So I didn't really get into the engineering until summer of 2012, where um, I was doing, they had like an eight-week um, undergrad research um, stipend that they had that uh, Dr. Uh, Chris Ramsire was doing. And so I worked for him, and that's when Royce came over. He had just interviewed and accepted the job at OU. He came from the University of Arkansas. And so we started talking and um, he asked, you know, hey, do you want to do research full time um, as your undergrad? And it's going to pay better than working at, you know, a grocery store. And so I said, yeah, sure. I I love the research side of things. I'd love to do that. And so um, that's when I started working for him in my undergrad. And then my senior year, he said, hey, you know, you want to add another year and get your master's, um, I'll pay for it. And I was, you know, no hesitation. I was like, yes, sign me up. Went home and told my husband, like, paycheck's going to be another year out. <laughs> we got to pay one more year of school and then I'll have my master's. So um, that's kind of how it fell into place. Did you notice an increase or a change in the ratio of women to men in the engineering school while you were in school? Did you see that increase go up or was... Yeah, I, I would say it It was very gradual. So, you know, looking at, I had kind of the, I guess, my sophomore year, so the seniors there to when I was a graduate, the fr- the sophomores coming in, there was definitely a, um, a difference. Um, in architectural engineering, there's always a higher ratio of female, um, not to male, but to um, other uh, other disciplines? Other disciplines, yeah. The chemical and mechanicals were always, you know, at the lowest tier of women um, to men ratio. And then architectural engineering and civil usually is a little bit higher. Um, it's still in that average of 20%. I, I don't know if that's changed over the years. But um, I would say not a significant change. There was, you know, that the graduating class, there was more of them. I will say the significant change I noticed was women getting more than a bachelor's. I knew a lot of female engineers that were getting their master's. And so that was the change I saw more than I did just the general um, group of people getting their bachelor's. It was the higher education. There was a lot more females um, when I left versus when I came into the engineering college. What do you attribute that to? Mentoring. Um, I think the Society of Women Engineers hosted a lot of events um, the students, we, um, got more involved and then Oklahoma city, at least for OU, Oklahoma city started women in engineering in the pre-engineering academies. So, um, once I graduated, I became part of the women in- of engineers, um, at Francis Tuttle in Oklahoma city. And I mentored, um, a young lady. And so I think that getting involved early on, you know, we did a lot of, um, activities in the eighth grade centers and then the high schools at the pre-engineering academies, I think that had it. And then just knowing that you can that you can delay maybe having a family to get your master's. Like, it's okay to not immediately graduate with your bachelor's, go to work, have kids, have a family. It's okay to either have a family with your master's or d- 
delay it a couple of years so that you can go get your master's. And I think um, there's more of a push to when I was in college, they said that eventually the engineering industry as a whole is going to push towards the bachelor not being enough, that you're going to need a bachelor plus 30 is what they were calling it, that you don't technically need a master's degree, but you need more college on top of the bachelor's. Now, I haven't seen that actually happen, um, but that was really a big push at the time. So I think a lot more people were pushing to get their master's due to that kind of um, thought process of where we were going with the industry. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, in versus the private sector, do you feel like there are more women in engineers here in the core, or do you, is this about the same? I would say more. Yeah, I, I do think we have more engineers. We definitely have more in management. Um, in the AE firms that I've seen, you know, there's working engineers, but there's not a lot of management. There's very few that became managers. And I know with structural, it was a very obvious trait that the um, Oklahoma Structural Engineering Association, OSEA, um, put together these like meet and greets after work hours that we got together, the females did, and we um, talked to, we pretty much were paired up with a mentor. And we talked to some of the older um, senior level engineers and some of them were in management and how they got there and how how we could get there. Um, there were some small business owners. Um, and so um, I've noticed it's getting better. But when I first started, yeah, the biggest difference was the Maybe not the amount of women, but the amount of women in higher level management, project manager positions um, was a lot higher here at the core. Now, you you said that you have a five-year-old. and Wait, how old are your kids now? So I've got three boys, a six-year-old, a three-and-a-half-year-old, and a 18-month-old. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you, you started having kids not long after you graduated. I was uh, eight weeks pregnant when I walked on the stage for my master's degree. So I actually um, found out I was pregnant the day I defended my thesis. Um, so, yeah, it was – I mean, I had kids almost immediately after graduating from school. Um, so, yeah. Did you – were you already employed at that point once you once you had your, had your first child? No, I was not. Um, I took a month off in between – my schooling and getting my job um, pretty much like my first trimester with my first kid, I was at home all day. So filling out resumes, trying to get a job. So uh, so yeah, I didn't have a job lined up. There was kind of, um, when I was applying for jobs at the time with my master's, um, there was kind of a stall in work. For whatever reason, there was this awkward stall that like no one was getting new projects. Everything was just kind of on hold. And so a lot of the firms were just like, we can't higher until we have those projects awarded and so June is when the private sector I started working for got a several huge projects and they were like we need structurals and so um they hired me I mean I applied on a Monday and I was working the next Monday so it was a very quick process once all those jobs all you know all that job market came in um so you you'd spent all this time going to school learning to be an engineer and you had to delay it further. And and I, I don't mean to oh. make it sound like it was <laughs> such a horrible thing because no. you're having a kid and that's that's awesome as a parent. I I can say that. But um was that was was that somewhat scary knowing that oh no, I'm 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 
I'm trying to get a job. And I, I think it's gotten a lot better as far as that concern. Right. Yeah. I know, I, I know my wife is, is, you know, she's, we're about to have our third and it's kind of a similar yeah. uh, sit, situation. She started a new job and, and um, she, she was like looking for a new job while she was, while she was pregnant, you know, and, and, and that was something that she expressed as a concern for her. Is that, is that some, something you were worried about? Yeah. So, um, a little bit because, you know, I, in my mind, it was like, I have a good GPA. I got my master's. I got my thesis. Like I did, I checked all the boxes. Now where's my job, you know? And so, um, there was a little bit of a concern. Um, luckily my husband, we were living off my husband's income while I was in college. So it, that was probably why it wasn't a financial concern more than it was a career concern. Right. And that's, that's my question. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the career concern, yes, it was like further I get along and then I have to take off for maternity leave. And now it's kind of a running joke because I actually took the job here at the core and found out I was pregnant the next day with my second kid. (laughs) So, um, my husband, when I, um, when we found out we were pregnant with my third one, he's like, we're not changing jobs again, are we? It would be really nice if we just stay put. So um, I got, I, I would say there was always a fear, but um, I knew at the end of the day, like there's jobs and. Um, you just have to be a little bit patient before you, you do. start. Right? Yeah, yeah. You just have to be patient. And um, I always just told myself like, there's a plan, you know, with the, the month delay the with my first child, like I didn't have to deal with the sleepiness of the first trimester and the morning sickness. Like I was able to go straight into work and I had all the energy from the second trimester and it all worked out. So like, I just had to keep telling myself like, there's a reason, there's a purpose, calm down because I am, um, I am the type A personality where it's like, I need to control everything. So <laughs> my husband had to keep telling me like, our house is paid for, you know, we, we did it without your income before, like it's going to work out, you know, you're waiting for the right job to come by and it, and it did, it all timed out perfectly. And I worked for a great mentor, um, two great mentors, um, in the private sector that taught me a lot in a little bit of time. And so I am internally grateful for them. And so it, it worked out in the end. So yeah, it was. Yeah. I'd I'd hate to like ask that question and then your son hear that years later and (laughs) Be like, mommy was worried about having no. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know that's always like a touchy, weird sort of yeah. thing to dance around. But yep. um, I mean, it's it's a concern when you're when you want to want to have a career and and Absolutely. and have children and 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 be a mom and a, or a parent. You know. Um, now you have you have three boys. Yep. I think we're we were talking about this earlier because like I also have two and one on the ways and they're all boys. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, does, do you find that working for the core, you, you get a little bit more opportunity to spend time with them? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause, um, the private sector I worked for, they already took off government holidays. They had, they had adopted that practice just because there's not a point in them working while the government wasn't open being that their clientele was significantly, you know, government based. So I always had those hours, but it was nice, the flexibility that the core has. I can work an earlier shift so that I can spend most of my evenings with my kids. I can coach their soccer. I can be more involved. So I think, um, and I travel, but I don't travel as much for the core as I did for the private sector. So um, work-life balance at the core is definitely 
um, amazing in comparison to, you know, most of your AE firms. So I love it. And trying to keep up with three boys, it's, necess- you know, it's a necessity that uh, my husband's like, you have to be home. You got to help me. They're, <laughs> they're crazy. So, um, so yeah. It, yeah. Kids are, kids are definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was, I was looking at your, the sheet I had you fill out before we do all this. Yeah. And uh, you you put the serenity prayer yeah. as your, your favorite quote or why that quote, well, yeah. prayer quote, whatever. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of people reference it to AA. I'm not in AA, even though there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, mine is just the type A personality. Like I am a worry wart. I stress about things that I can't change. And my husband is the opposite. And I see how like calm and in peace he is with not worrying about anything. And so um, in college, one of my friends said, hey, this is like your quote. This was written for you. And ever since then, I'm like, it is. It's, I need to know when things are outside of my level of area and it's okay to be outside of your comfort zone. And so um, that's just been my quote. And um, every time that I start stressing out, I have that actually saved on my phone and I read it and it kind of calms me. So that's that's where it came, I guess. There wasn't anything particular other than it just, it kind of spoke to me. Um, so, yeah. What have I not asked you that I should have asked you? I, you stumped me on that one. I, I don't know. Um. <laughs> what advice would you have for people who are, I don't know, maybe, what would you think? Middle school, high school, early on, if you're wanting, if you're considering engineering, what what advice would you have for, and what age would you recommend? Oh, yeah. So I would say, um, I know we, the studies have shown targeting about eighth grade, middle school is when um, you start to see that natural, like, where are people going? And um, in the U.S., it's very common for women to be pushed into nursing and um, teaching and some of those career paths that you, I think, generally see a lot of women in. Um, And you see the males being pushed towards engineering and doctors and lawyers. And so um, getting involved with the kids young and teaching them that it's okay, that there's someone that looks like you and it's okay to try something new. Um, I told my mentee from day one, I said, guess what? I think the average, you know, um, change in major in college is like six. It's something extreme, you know, more than two, less than six. I said, if you want to try engineering, try it. There's take one, switch to something else. Like it is okay to switch if it doesn't make sense, but don't not take, don't even, don't mark it off as not an option from day one. Like you might find that you really enjoy it. I mean, I came from Ponca City, Oklahoma, where there's not a lot of structure. I mean, I think I know of one engin- structural engineer that he did structural, but he was more of an architect background. Um, the town's just not building a lot of new things. So, like, I didn't see engineers that looked like me. I didn't interact with people that did structural engineering. I didn't even know what structural engineering was until my second semester in high school. I mean, it was very late on, but it just takes one person that talks to someone and says, hey, I think you'd be good at this, that it changes it. I mean, that's where I'm at is I would have probably ended up doing either physical therapy or law school because that's just what was in Ponca. That's what I saw. That's made good money. 
I knew I wanted to be a career woman. Stay-at-home mom was not what I wanted. So I knew I needed to do something that could make a living to support a family. And so um, it just takes that one person to stop someone and say, hey, I think you'd be good at this, and I think you should try it. So I always encourage, you know, engineers to, you know, even though we're introvert and it's hard to talk to young people, definitely if you feel like you can't relate anymore because you're older or, you know, they're just they're in a different phase of life, it's still good to talk to them. Um, talk to him about like what their interests are. That's what Dr. Nine did for me in high school. He just said, hey, you're really good at this math and science, but you really like the art side. Have you looked into architectural engineering? And I, and um, we actually had a lot of those conversations at basketball games um, where we were doing the books for the girls' basketball team. You know, it, it wasn't him talking at me. It was just having a conversation. So I think as early as possible, my kids are already – showing interest in the STEM stuff. And so I foster that with buying their toys that are STEM. You know, I, um, if there's any events that they want to go do, um, there's a lot more STEM programs at all ages um, now than it used to be. So I think just fostering that, and not just women, but just kids in general, like if you see that they have a talent, um, talk to them about it. And if they really enjoy it, f- try to foster it and find maybe something that they would enjoy that maybe will lead to a career. Um, I think the younger kids, they're smart. They're, and there's no fear in them. You know, a lot of them are starting their own business. So I think as a parent, um, it's important. And even as a mentor, um, if you get those opportunities, take them and, um, and try to influence young kids' lives. That's, I love it. Um, I still do it at any chance I get. I, I love the mentoring side of things. I like seeing um, just how excited they are for their future. So, um, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable for some people. It's not natural for them, but I would definitely, um, encourage more people to take, um, interest in the younger generations. Yeah. And I think most people, when they're looking at majors, the math, I guess, scares a lot of people, but, and there's some tropes about, I I think they're very misleading because I, I remember growing up, I don't remember, the girls being bad at math or really, in yeah. fact, I remember most of the, the girls that I knew were better at math <laughs> than they were tended to be the better math students. And then now I don't, and I don't know if they ended up in that, in that route or not. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, you hear about that and about the, the math thing. And I, I just, I never saw that as a, as a, as an honest assess assessment of, of why people, I, I do know some people just don't want to do it or yeah. don't like it or, yeah. you know, I mean, what, what's your take on that? I mean, did you see a difference in, in terms of the, who, who the students were, who were better at the, the calculus or the, yeah. the trig or whatever? Yeah. So the higher math courses, um, the OSSM that I was a part of that was at the tech school, which is kind of the equivalent of pre-engineering academies that are in the Tulsa and Oklahoma City areas. Um, we were 50-50 split. We had three girls and we had three boys. Um, and there I saw um, there wasn't the judgment that you got in typical high school. Like um, in the math courses, a lot of times you would see um, just the typical high school um, inter- interactions that happen. And the girls were very quiet. Um, I was not one of those, but there was a lot of girls that were quiet and timid and scared to answer questions where 
Um, some of the boys were very, you know, vocal. They wanted to be right. They wanted to be the one with the right answer. And so um, you saw it a little bit. OSSM is where I saw um, the three, myself being the third, the three of us, boy and girls, it was very um, evenly split. Um, we both pursued the STEM programs. We both wanted to be there and or in, both groups wanted to be there. And so you didn't see it as much where in high school you see a little bit of like, I have to be here, right? Some of them, they have to be here. Some of them want to be there. And so I don't know if I saw it as much in high school, like the split. Um, in college, I saw it more, but I was in engineering. They had at OU, they had the math was an engineering based math. So you were in the class was made up of engineers. So there was obviously more boys than there were girls in the classes. And so the girls tend to um, team up. We, you know, if we had to do any kind of group um, projects, if we were, we were allowed to choose, a lot of times the girls would team up and the boys would all team up. Um, and so you would see those divides kind of naturally occur. Um, but not as much in the high school. I didn't at least. Um, maybe I was naive to it. But um, college is where I really saw that um, that women were significantly less represented than the men in the courses. Definitely in the freshman year where you have large calculus courses that are hundreds of people and um, your sciences were all, you know, chemistry was a hundred person course. Um, it, it became less obvious once I got into the actual structural engineering um, courses because there were um, four women and six men in my graduating class, a very small um, structural engineering civil class for my time. So it wasn't as obvious um, towards the later years of college. Yeah, that weeding out process. <laughs> yes, the weeding happens. out process. That I mean, and people weed themselves out. Really, yeah, you know, yeah. They get sidetracked too. Yeah. Well, Brittany, I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for, for coming up to sit down with me and, and talk to me about the the – the world of engineering, especially in the dam safety production center. Um, is there anything you'd like to add before we go? I just was going to thank you for your time. And, um, this was my first podcast, so it was neat. And, um, I look forward to hearing the final product. You're welcome. Um, no, really, I really do appreciate you, you coming up and, and, and talking about it. It's very interesting, especially the craft stuff. That's, that's <laughs> neat. I, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get into that. That's okay. um, <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Corestruction. Corestruction is a production of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Public Affairs Office. This episode of Corestruction was brought to you by the Dam Safety Production Center of Southwestern Division. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day.